Hi, Peter Walker here, and welcome to today's edition of The Transition Guide. Now, joining me is keynote speaker and author, David Mirvan Scott. Thank Peter, you very much. good to see you. Likewise. Yeah. It's a great conference, huh? It's an absolutely epic conference, and your keynote was absolutely good. It was absolutely fantastic, actually. Now, David, I've been following David for, for about 10 years now, yeah. and David's spoken on a number of the conferences that I've had. And one of the go-to books that I use is one of his earlier books, because David's now on his 11th book, aren't you? Yeah. So one of the earlier books is The New Rules of Marketing and PR. And I think you're in edition six or seven now. Uh, it's currently in the sixth edition, and I'm in the process of finishing up the seventh edition. So yeah, it's a, uh, it first came out in 2007. Oh, wow. And it sold 400,000 copies in English, and it's in 29 other languages. So yeah, it's a pretty remarkable result for that book. It's a great book. Thank you. And you've been working on new stuff now, haven't yeah. you? Yeah, it's all about new, going forward, never and backwards. And you've actually pivoted, because you, you, you've always been able to see where the trend needs to be. Yeah, thank you. And thank you've you. actually seen where the next trend needs to be. Well, I think, you know, this idea of the new rules of marketing and PR, I was able to, to see that before it happened. Yes, you did. Um, you know, it was the first book that really defined digital marketing and social media and real-time marketing. Um, and what I see from that perspective of having seen that first is that people have taken those ideas sometimes too far. Mm, in what respect? They're, well, you know, digital marketing is great, but they're doubling down on digital marketing. They're, they're focusing on just sending more and more email spam messages. They're focused on um, using AI to interrupt people. They're, um, you know, you don't even know if you're communicating with a bot um, or not. Mm. Um, there, there's so not very much authenticity in many people's digital marketing. Uh, it's basically just focused on, um, uh, on throwing stuff out there rather than uh, a human connection. So I think the pendulum has swung too far and I would into agree, that direction. And I would agree with that because I spend more time deleting emails and reading yes. them. Yeah. And so I think it's become too easy to send another tweet, another email, uh, put up another video. Not, it's not going away. It's, it's, this is with us forever. But, but I think the pendulum will start to swing back to a true human connection. Now, what do you mean by that? What I mean by that, we are right now together, physically together, mm. and we're talking to the audience. Um, because we're here, we're having a real live conversation. We met at a conference where there's real live people connecting to one another. So that's the initial aspect of it, is the idea that you can actually um, you know, be, in, be in touch with people personally. And that becomes very, very important. So how can you um, generate more ways to truly be in touch with people physically. And there's, and there's other ways digitally too, but physically do it this And way. I just want to really sort of reinforce that because I know a lot of my colleagues, whenever they do interviews, so many of them, in fact, most of them do them over Zoom. Yes. I will never ever do one over Zoom. Nice. I, won't, I would rather not interview someone mm. because for me, it's actually that person-to-person -person thing yeah. that means everything. Right. Because it's the energy, the right. exchange of energy and right. everything. Yeah. Now, I think it's really important. It is really important. So. I studied the idea of fandom. 
Wow. And how, how do people become fans of something? Why do they become fans of something? Um, I myself am a massive live music fan. I've been to 790 live shows as, wow. of, as of the time that we're talking today. Um, and, um, and, and I love it. I've been to 75 Grateful Dead concerts, for example. It's like, I, lo I love it. And so um, I was talking to my daughter, Reiko. She's now 26 years old, and she's, she loves Harry Potter. She's read oh, every book multiple who times. Who doesn't? She's seen the movies multiple times. She's gone to London to go to the studio tour. She's gone to Florida to go to um, the Wizarding World of Harry oh, Potter theme epic. park. Yeah, yeah it's that. epic, right? So um, we realize that we're really big fans of things. And everyone is yeah. fans of something. So we looked at what's happening in the brain when you become a fan of something. And how can a company tap that? How can an entrepreneur build fans of their business? How can an entrepreneur tap existing fandoms to grow their business? Uh, and that's what became what I, we call fanocracy, uh, which is the title of the book, but it's the fanocracy is the idea where Fans are the most important thing. Customers and relationships with people are the most important thing. And fans is very different to followers and likes, right? Fans are different than a follower and like. Yeah, a follower and like is just someone who clicks a button. A fan is someone who um, can't wait to continue to do business with you or um, is really, really excited about something because they're, it, it's, it's passion. It's sharing passion. It's sharing human connections. And what, what we realized about the things that we love, like I'm a huge live music fan, my daughter's this crazy Harry Potter fan, is it's more about the people we share that with mm. sometimes than the thing itself. So going to live music is amazing because it's with my friends. It's with people who are just like me. It's with people I can share the lingo. If I'm in a Grateful Dead concert, there's just like ways we talk. There's, there's rituals. There's the, the whole tribe comes together and wears certain clothing. It's like everyone is, is like-minded and, and we feel comfortable in that environment. And that's true of all of us, whether it's a sporting activity um, or um, we're a fan of, um, of, of hiking or we're a fan of golf or we're a fan of watching a certain sports mm. team or whatever it might be. And Apple were actually one company that probably caught onto that quite early. Yeah. If you look at Apple, Apple users, they're just diehard. Yes. Yeah, Apple, Apple is, is a good example, but I like to look at smaller organizations that have built massive fans because people look at Apple and say they're like the second largest company on the planet. Um, however, I like looking at companies like Grain Surfboards, right? They're a little tiny company. I think there's five or six employees. Okay. They're in the state of Maine which is cold water, it's not a place known for surfing, but they make wooden surfboards. Uh, wooden surfboards are really interesting because they are um, sustainable for the environment. They're not bad for the environment. They're beautiful, they're, um, and they have to be handmade. They can't be made by machine. And so um, this all interested me. I thought, that's really cool. 
But then when I went on their website and I was thinking about buying a board, I realized that they have a board building class. You can actually go for four days and build your own surfboard. So what was really cool about doing this was, and I signed up and I did it. I actually did it twice. And what was so cool about this was I, you, I physically go to their factory and spend four days with them. I'm together with them. We're sharing stories about surfing. We're sharing a beer at the end of the day. Um, we're learning about each other's families and, and where we grew up. And we're creating a genuine bond, a genuine human connection. And, and, and I, I found it really interesting as well that they were giving away their secrets, right? Because they have a proprietary technique for how they make surfboards. But here they are inviting me in to take a class so I can learn exactly how they make the surfboards. And for them, they said, I asked them about that. They said, it's more important for us to build fans by doing this and get people on our surfboards than it is to worry about someone stealing one of our ideas. And most businesses don't think that way. Most businesses no, don't. think, I don't, I don't want to have people come to our office for four days. I don't want to share the secrets of my business. Yet, to develop fans, what we've learned is that the more you create those human relationships, the better. That's definitely a different way of thinking. Yeah. And as you say, a lot of small businesses, they just, most businesses actually don't think that way. What was the retention like, the customer loyalty like with that company? Oh, huge. Yeah, huge. Now, the, the, people don't very often buy more than one surfboard from them. But they share with their friends. They, uh, I've actually bought two, I might buy, do a third, so I'm different. But um, um, they, they, they put a grain surfboard sticker on their car. They wear a grain surfboard t-shirt. You know, they love grain surfboards. They become part of it. They be, yeah, yeah, they, uh, yeah. And, and one of the, and that, that's actually one of the things that we learned is that if you can figure out ways where your employees feel like they are a part owner in your business, they're not a part owner, but they feel like they're a part owner, that's gold. And, and that's one thing that Grain Surfboards does. And that probably is a massive contributor to staff attention. Yes, yeah, yeah, that's exactly right. Um, there's another concept which I find interesting, I, and I, I call it give more than you have to. And what that is about is, you know, a lot of organizations use their website, use social media to push content out. Yep, I'm guilty of that. Yeah, me too, me too. I got push content out all the time. But a lot of times when there's a big important piece of online content, for example, a white paper or an ebook, most companies feel like they have to put a gate on it and insist that people give an email address before you can download it. So yes, they're giving away content, but they're setting up an adversarial relationship with their customers before they give away that content. Guilty? Yeah. And so think about it a different way. We humans are hardwired to appreciate a gift when there's absolutely no expectation of something in return. If somebody gives you something and expects something in return, you're, it's off-putting. You know, it, it, you don't, it doesn't make you feel good. But if someone gives you something truly as a gift, this is for you, 
that feels great and we feel really good about the person or the company that gave us that. Um, and so looking at it a different way is just make the, the white paper completely free and you will likely see a factor of between 10 and 50 times more downloads. The problem, I mean, and the challenge is then people say, but I don't know who's downloading it. Who cares? Because, if, because I believe that if you're, if you're growing fans of your business by giving away something for free, those people will be eager to do business with you. Right. Whereas you don't have to like force them, coerce them into becoming your clients by calling them up every third day and saying, when are you gonna buy something from me? When are you gonna buy something from me? And that's, that's the, the model of giving away a white paper with an email address on it. But you can have an email, a, a requirement that they register for something after you give away something for free. Give away something for free first and then, oh, if you wanna learn more, contact us, us, us here. Or if you wanna, um, thank you for downloading our white paper. We hope you enjoyed it. If you'd like to attend our free webinar, register here. And then you have to give an email address there. And I take it this is the stuff that you're now gonna cover in the book you've just released. Yeah, in Fanocracy, there's a number of different prescriptions, all of them around how to grow fans, how to get people who just love what you're doing and wanna share. And I suppose that's a really big difference from sort of, it is a big shift because the currency of social media has been literally likes and views yeah. and all of this without actually building that relationship. And that's, that's the bit that's been missing. I think that's right. I think that's right. And, um, and, and there's just a number of very interesting ways to go about this concept of, uh, of developing fans. Another thing we looked at, which I found amazing, is that, um, it, is that many organizations try to control the way that people relate to their business and relate to their products. Um, they put trademarks against things and they say, you know, you can only talk about us in this way. So for example, Adobe mm. says, you cannot use the word photoshopped. That's, you're not allowed to say that. You have to say that image was manipulated by Photoshop, our software from Adobe registered trademark, our. And, and so, if you try to control the way that people use and talk about your products and services, um, you're not letting them feel as if they're um, a part owner of that. No, that's restrictive. That it's is nasty. It's restrictive, yeah. But a lot of companies do that. So it's better to recognize that once you put your product or service out into the world, it no longer belongs to you. It belongs to your fans. Yeah. Push it out there and let your fans take over. Don't push it out there and try to control it. People are obviously going to want to look at the book and you've got the resources in place. Where do they need to go? So you can go to fanocracy.com, uh, which is a great place, or follow me on uh, the social medias. I'm DM Scott, D-M-S-C-O-T-T. It's a really, you know, it's a really interesting approach to business. It's a hu more human approach to business. It's a way of creating a following of people that will share how much they love you. It will re-engage with your company, come back again and again and again. 
And ultimately, that's a stronger way to do business than just a transactional way of doing business, which is what a lot of organizations do. I totally agree. And I remember being a bit slow when you, when you coined the phrase, and I remember this so vividly, when you coined the phrase newsjacking, yeah. and that ended up in the Oxford Dictionary. Yeah, didn't it did, it? it did. You coined the phrase newsjacking, and that was such a powerful concept. And those people that, when I do actually newsjack, it's great. Oh, it's fantastic. But I don't do it half enough. Yeah, I try to do it myself. I should do it more often. Newsjacking is basically when you understand the news cycle, every news story breaks in the same way in like a bell-shaped curve, and you push out a piece of content at the moment that members of the media and potential customers are looking for it. Um, it's the art and science of injecting your ideas into a breaking news story. It's a fabulous way to get noticed. It is, and the same way with this, with fanocracy, it's the beginning of that journey now. Yeah. So those people that are tuning in, that are listening, all I can say is you've got to get the book, don't do what I did and become late to the party, <laughs> get ahead of the curve, because so many people are going to be slow to adopting this, and at the end of the day, you want to be people building the fans at the beginning of the cycle, not the ones building the fans at the end. Yeah, I think that's right. I think that's right. And um, it is an amazing way to grow business. You know, you, you let the fans take over, let the fans do the work for you. Well, I really appreciate your time today, David. Thank My you so pleasure, much. My pleasure, Peter. Yeah, thank you for having me on. And if anything we've talked about today resonates with you, you want more information, head over to Booker.com and get in touch. And remember, failing to learn is learning to fail.